started called the standard. So turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And then put a finger over at James chapter 4. And, well, wait a minute. Let me think. I don't think we got to James chapter 4 first service. We didn't, so forget about it. We'll do that in a couple weeks. So just Colossians chapter 2. Satan's mission since his great fall has been to undermine God's word, to cause us to doubt and ultimately not trust God. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. He is roaming like a lion. He is not the lion of Judah. There's only one lion of Judah. But he prowls around like a lion. Also says in 2 Corinthians 11.14-15, through 15, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. When God started downloading this message to me, he gave me a picture of this. And by now, after this is week three, you should know what this is, right? It's a plumb bob. You're so knowledgeable. Well, when he gave me the picture of this plumb bob, he told me this is how we can, we can know and how we can stay true in our Christian walk. So what I did was I Googled, because I'm this close to getting Google saved, so you just hold on there. And Google gave me, when I looked up... Um, the master builder next to Jesus is Bob Vila. And Bob Vila says that the way that you use a plumb bob is that you secure the one end to what you want to plumb, it's called. This being the bob, once you allow it to come to a rest, it will tell you what's true. I thought, ooh, that's good. And so like last week, what we did was we started by, not last week, the first week, we started by setting the standard. First, you have to make sure that you're hooked in God, <laughs> that you're secure in God. That this Bob representing the whole word of God, you take up the whole word of God, that the whole word will be fulfilled by what? By two commands. What does it say? Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as yourself. And the whole law and prophets hang on these two. That's how you can fulfill the whole word. Love. And so the first week we talked about the standard, setting the standard, meaning, just like I said, that we are fixed in God, we grab hold of, cleave to the whole word of God, and that love, let love be the line that runs from God through us loving others. And you, you ever been to an amusement park and seen the sign with the little guy and his finger and it says you have to be this tall to ride this ride? To get on this ride? Well, Jesus says, I am your standard, not each other. Don't compare yourselves among each other. That's just being foolish. I'm your standard. And he doesn't just stand there and hold out one finger and say, hey, just, just hit up here. He went ahead and stretched out both arms and said, this is your standard. Amen. The standard is to die to self. The cross before me, the world behind me, no looking back, no looking back. You can all sing it right now, right? Make sure you're fixed in God, picking up the whole word of God and let it hang on love, loving God with all your heart, mind, strength, and loving others as yourself. And I am not teaching perfection. I'm just trying to eliminate your permission to be less than what God's original design is for your life. So the old saying, you take away the runway and the plane has nowhere to land. I like that. So let's get rid of the excuses, get rid of the permission to be less than. 
So let me just give you a quick refresh. Um, remember in love, love seeks peace and unity. Ladies, can you turn this down a bit? I'm getting feedback up here. Thank you. Love seeks peace and unity. If at any time there's disagreements, true love focuses on unity that brings peace. Which means if it's not a heaven or hell issue, focus on what you do agree on. Come into unity that way, which will bring peace and it will bring you back into purpose. Otherwise, you just, you know, you start nitpicking and bickering with each other. Well, ah, that's not what I think and that's not what I believe in. And then the world looks at us and says, this is God's love. This is unity? Because the word says that they will know his love for them by the love we have for each other. So if we can't form a united front, they're looking at us like laughing stocks. And we wonder why we have an 85% unchurched rate in Benzie County. Because we can't get over ourselves long enough to serve each other. Love. All right. So then last week we started on discussing unmasking the enemy. And you really have to understand, discern this. Because the enemy, see different things will try to slip in and pull you one way or the other. That With the plumb bob, it'll try to swing you one way or swing the other. And then all of a sudden your whole life is off kilter. You ever been to one of those houses where everything's leaning and you walk in and all of a sudden you start wanting to lean because you're like, this can't be right. Right? That same thing with our life. See, Satan masquerades. It says, be sober, be alert, be watching, be mindful. Because he's going to come in and try to slip you off kilter. And then you're going around like this and people saying, there's something wrong with that. You're like, what? What? Let me show you. Colossians chapter 2. Now, we read this last week. I don't have time to jump into because if you can, which no pastor ever says this, can you all just look at your watch for a second or your phone? I am not going to make you go late today. It was everybody else's fault before I got up here. Okay? Just saying. Just saying. I'm going to talk as fast as I can. I've already realized from first service we're not going to get through all of this, and we thought we were going to finish it this week. We'll have to take a pause for next week, mothers, and then we'll pick it up again. But I don't have time to show you, but I've taught you, whenever you start a sentence with, therefore, so then, don't start reading there. Always go back, because he's trying to. He laid a foundation. He's trying to tell you. Now, so you have to know what came before this? I covered it last week to trust that if you didn't read it, you didn't understand it, you're going to go back and read it later. But I've got to pick up at verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. The common English Bible says, see to it that nobody enslaves you with philosophy and foolish deception, which conform to human traditions and the way the world thinks and acts rather than Christ. See, Satan wears a plethora of different masks, but what we've been focusing on during this part of this series is what I like to call the top five, the top five mask, which when I wrote them all out, they all started with S, and I'm like, oh God, you're so creative. He is, isn't he? I mean, look, he made your face. Oh, I mean, he made my face. He's just creative. The top five. We got through the top four last week, which was self, sight, silence, and setting. And this week we're going to focus on mostly the mask of Scripture. 
So allow me, please. I'm just going to I'm going to try not to stop or look up at you. I just want to give you a refresher. So I'm going to try to just read through this, the mask of these four, so that we can then jump into five. Um, the mask of self, remember, talks about needs, idolatry, and feelings. The mask of self. The gospel is not about meeting your selfish needs. If you come to God for him to meet your needs, you've missed the entire gospel, and you are consistently be questioning God if you feel like your needs are not getting met. The mask of self also says idolatry. We've become our own idol when all we focus on and continue to focus on is our issues and our needs and our circumstances and our wants and our desires. It's a mask of self. The mask of self also is determined or lives by feelings. We are commanded to move by faith, not feelings. We give up our rights to take up his righteousness. Listen. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go there. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Love not your life to death. Seek first the kingdom. Honor others. Take care of others above yourself. Where does it say anything about me, 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 me? Nowhere. It's a mask. It's deception. The mask of self. The second one, the mask of sight. Don't lose sight of who the real enemy is. Satan loves popping up little things. And they are they can be perfectly good things. But just keep you, look, bing, 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 so that you're distracted and not focusing on him. Also, the person standing in front of you is not your enemy. Might feel like your enemy, but it's not your enemy. Ephesians 6, 12 says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, principalities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Don't forget, don't lose sight of who the real enemy is. The cross before me, the world behind me. Seek first the kingdom, the mask of sight, the mask of silence. The enemy knows that God put in your mouth the power of life and death. So if he can keep you silent, he's won. Or if he can get you to speak doubt, doubt equals death, he's won. He just needs to keep you silent. I mean, haven't you ever heard that? Where God starts doing something and you hear a shh. Don't tell anybody. That's probably yourself. That's not God. Shh. Don't give that testimony because you don't know what's going to happen next week. You know, you're probably going to fall and then what will people say? Shh. Yeah, I know what you did yesterday. You can't say that. Who do you think you are? Shh. The mask of silence. The old saying, if you have nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all is not true for Christians. You have a whole Bible of good things to say. Start, start speaking it. Speak life. Well, I don't feel it. Who cares? Just because you don't feel delivered, just because your eyes don't see your deliverance, are you, have you been delivered? Yes. Start speaking it. But I'm still drinking. Oh, well, start saying, God, you delivered me from alcohol. I am no longer a slave to alcohol. I have been delivered and keep speaking it. Keep speaking it. Cause if the enemy can keep you silent, he'll keep you enslaved. Yeah. Oh, but I don't feel send those feelings back to hell. You are led by faith. Faith is not what you see. Hello. Or it's not faith. So when you speak life, you mix it or grab a hold of it. It's like the TNT of your, your, what you're saying faith is. It goes forth and it proclaims. It says it's a prophecy of what is to come. So when you speak things, well, I'm not delivered yet. Speak it. Because you're speaking into reality what you believe, hope for, to see. God's word said it. I believe it. End of story. Speak it. Now stop it. I told you I was going to stay back here. <sighs> so say it. Speak life. Stop. 
speaking death. Stop speaking doubt. Speak life. Mix it with the faith and you'll create your future just the way God intended it. Speak it. Well, my kids are misbehaving. I don't know what I'm going to speak life into them. Speak life. God doesn't want them to be disobedient either. Speak life. All right, and the last one that we got through last week was a mask of sitting. Refusing to move or step out until you have all the answers. Wanting to know why to everything that happens is a stubborn, selfish attitude that proves you don't trust him. Because if you have to know the why, if you need all the answers, again, where's faith? Where's trust? I listen to a man who, who uh, moves in miracles all the time. He just, I mean, he just walks by somebody and says, heals in the name of Jesus. And they're healed. And they walk away. They're like, what happened? You know? And he says, what am I to do when I pray for people? And something different than what I believe for happens. And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're going to really tackle this one when we're talking about scripture. But don't let it cause you to sit down. If you prayed for aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so or friend or whoever, and they didn't get healed and they died, it's not a time for you to sit down and cross your arms. And I want to know why that happened, God. All right. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You can't let it shake you to the point of sitting. And that's what the enemy would love to see. Just sit there. Just sit there. Oh, look, God didn't love you. This happened. Just sit there. Shh. Be silent. He didn't meet your needs. See, he don't love you. Shh. Just sit there. Be silent. We talked about this last week. We also talked about it in Life Group on Friday night. The gates of hell will not prevail is an offensive move. It's in an offensive move. Those gates will fall. They cannot stand when you come up against them. But if you're sitting there just saying, oh, would you fall? Just fall. Fall. The gates are like, I ain't going nowhere. But even Joshua, with the walls of Jericho, he had to do something. It seemed ridiculous that he was with the, you know, trumpets and the singing and walking around the walls. Seven, and these aren't like little office dividers, you know, like, fall. Oh, these were walls, you know. Some of them were built where they had houses inside the walls. That's how big these walls were. And they're walking around seven times singing and blowing their trumpets. Could you imagine the people in the procession with them? Like, what are we doing? But again, the united front was that they were all moving together. Did they all believe him? Did they all agree with what were they were doing? No, but they were all together. In unity, let's go. And so by singing... By listening, by doing what God called them to do, not sitting, the gates could not prevail, and they just fell in. The scripture that says, stand when you've done everything else, stand when you've done everything else. So don't stand until you've done everything else. He said, walk around seven times if they would have stopped at six because, well, that's enough. We're a little tired. I don't feel like, it. you know, we've been doing this six days, six times. So we keep doing this again. When you've done everything else. All right. So now we're in five. Here it is. This is where we have to um, jump in. I believe that this number five is the most used mask of Satan. And it's the mask of scripture. And I touched on it a little bit last week. That um, personal opinion, here it is, disclosure, personal opinion. Um, some people portray that, you know, Satan, when Jesus was led out into the wilderness, that Satan didn't know who he was and was deceiving him, used the word, right? 
I don't believe them. Uh, my personal opinion, again, is that John says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was, the Word was with God, the Word was God, right? Satan was Lucifer before the fall. He was the great morning star. He was the worship leader. Do you really believe that Lucifer, Satan, didn't know who Jesus was? Come on. He'd been with him a long time. It wasn't like a passing acquaintance and then you're like, I know you from somewhere. And yet he used the word to the word. So don't think that Satan's not going to use scripture against you. Of course he is. But he twists it just enough. Oh, yeah, God says that he'll heal um, all, but, you know, um, I, I know what you did yesterday. Or, um, you know, it does say that, you know, God, you know, ask anything in the name of Jesus, but um, you did bring this on yourself. That's something you need to fix. Come on, you hear it? Have you heard it? In your own mind. Where he twists it just enough. But I want to teach you to twist Satan's own deception back on himself. The original line, did God really say that? Remember we talked about that in the garden? Did God really say that? I want to teach you, when you hear something, don't just take it as truth. Even if it's mixed with a little bit of goodness in there. You know, we're, yeah, that's that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Line it up with the whole word of God, which tells you and it reveals the whole nature of God. And try to put that thing coming out of God's mouth. Would God say, would God really say that about me? You know, okay, so I've got 25 years of debt. You know, I'm over my head and, and debt. And was it my choices? Yeah, it was my bad choices. But I'm believing that, you know, God's going to deliver me and wipe that clean. And all of a sudden thought comes in my mind. Well, you know, that was your fault. You shouldn't ask God to fix something that you did wrong. It was your choices. You have to fix this. I'm sorry, but when I came to God and I asked for forgiveness for my sins, those were from my choices. Did he say, sorry, Brenda, you know, you brought this on yourself. No, he says, poof, wiped clean, gone. So why can't I bring those debts to him and say, you know what? I repent. I'm sorry. I did make stupid choices. Please forgive me. And I'm going to believe that you're going to help me, give me resources, give me, you know, wisdom so that you can wipe that debt away just like you wipe the debt of my sins away. Right? I want to teach you how to turn that twist of scripture back into truth. Because he will use the mask of scripture. Satan is okay. There's three things here. In the mask of scripture, it's a powerless gospel, it's the my translation, and the yeah, but translation. I want to show you. The first one is Satan is okay with you just knowing the word. So long as you don't start living it. You can study five hours a day. You can have all this memorized and be able to quote scriptures at, at every beckoning. I can say, where is it? And you're like, I know where that's from. I know where that's But if you're not living it, it's a powerless gospel means nothing. A powerless gospel is Satan's agenda for your life, for his church, not God's. If all the gospel is, is a book of knowledge, the church is no better than the average college. If all you do is come in here, hear a message, hear some truth, walk out, never live it, never change, it's no different than you going to school. Watchman Nee said, the Christian who only talks about spiritual warfare 
but doesn't get into it in reality is the one who Satan can afford to ignore, for he does not count for nothing. In our life group, we've been going through that little book, Sit, Walk, Stand by Watchman Nee, and when, when we read that this last week, it wrecked me. I don't want to live my whole life and not count for anything and be somebody that, that Satan can just ignore because I'm no good for nothing. As a matter of fact, this morning I was sitting there during worship and that pain right here, what is that, that sciatic nerve, is that where... I'm going to show you my butt right there. Right there. It's like somebody had a knife stuck right there in my butt, and I'm trying to worship, and I'm going, oh, pain in my butt. Satan, you are a pain in my butt. Yeah, Satan, you're a pain in my butt. I'm going to be a pain in your butt. That's who I, I want to be that. Oh, to Satan. Oh, there she goes. As soon as I said that, pain was gone. You tell me that's a coincidence. You believe what you want to believe. I know what I know. That is not a coincidence. God did not send his one and only son for a history lesson to be written in a book, but for his power to be manifested through his children. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. God's a big God and he likes showing his bigness off through his kids. Ooh, I like that. A powerless gospel. Mask of scripture. Second part, my translation is the anointed translation. All others are heresy. Come on, you've all heard that. I mean, I literally used to get notes, emails, snail mail that would say you're preaching heresy when you pick up any other translation then. Let, let me just say, you don't need to limit your opportunity for a greater understanding. It's no different than you picking up a dictionary to research a word you're just looking for a fuller understanding. Now, I do agree there are some translations that are so watered down, so out there, that they take five paragraphs to say one sentence. But that doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. I've told you before, I can learn deep spiritual truths from Bugs Bunny. Because my mind's focused on God. My eyes are on God. I'm constantly wanting to receive. He speaks to us through his creation. Through the word. Not just only one translation. Alright? So don't limit your, your opportunity. And then the last part that I want to focus on in the mask of scripture is the yeah but translation. You're like where's that I don't see that new version trust me I bet you've heard it the yeah but translation oh I'm going somewhere here okay the yeah but translation have you ever tried to share God's truth with a believer to give them faith through a situation only to hear them say yeah but do you understand what that is Human reasoning has slipped in and taken them off the path of faith, and now they're defining truth based on their circumstances. You are rewriting the Word of God to fit your circumstances, and you don't think that's a problem? If the next words out of your mouth after you say, yeah, but, is I, yeah, but, mine, yeah, but, I've, yeah, but, me, you're rewriting the word of God based on you. 
When you reason the word of God to justify your situation, your circumstances, instead of allowing the word of God to change your circumstances, you've exalted yourself above God's word. God, I know you said this, but... God, I know you said this, but... A double-minded man is unstable in all he does. A double-minded man nullifies the word of God, rendering it unuseful. Do you understand there's nothing else in heaven or hell, in the past, in the present, in the future, that can nullify the word of God but your own mind? A double-minded man means that I'm one foot in the world and I'm one foot in God. Oh, God, I believe you. I'm a Christian. I follow you. Yeah, but God, my situation is you've just nullified the word of God, rendering it unuseful. When you go to pray for somebody, they come up and they say, yeah, I have um, such and such illness. Okay, well, you believe the word of God says that, you know, all we have to do is lay hands in his name. He'll heal all. Do you believe he heals all? Yes. Okay, you ready to receive your? Yes. Okay. In the name of Jesus, you love him, God? Heal him. Yeah. So you ask him, okay, so it was your, so did you move your, well, but, whoa, wait a minute. I was just, I was just at, um, last week was the, or last Thursday was the um, National Day of Prayer. Thank you. Had this girl come up to the altar. Would you pray, my friend, spine, problems, injections, all this stuff. Who does, who does miracles follow? The believer. So I didn't sit there and question her, does she have faith? I didn't question, is he saved or not? She came to me. I'm the believer. I have faith. God said to lay hands on people. They will be healed. God said it. I believe it. That's it. I said, okay, let's pray right now. So we started speaking. I said, well, I did tell her. I said, you know, God is not hinged in, hemmed in um, because of time or space. That we can pray right here and God can be right there. So God can heal your friend right now. Right wherever he's, yes. Oh, I said, okay. Really, it didn't believe, it didn't bother me if she believed that or not. I was just speaking it. So we prayed, healing. She's cutting me off early. Didn't I say I got extra time? Anyway, so we prayed. We believed. That's it. I'm done. It's over. He's going to be healed. He can't help it. He's going to be healed. Right? We finished up, went downstairs. I'm sitting beside Pastor Ken. We're talking. She comes back. Pastor, would you pray for my friend? Who's got, he's got back problems. He's got the, and I sit there thinking, what is she doing? So I looked at her. I said, it, would that be the friend that we already prayed for? That we already, you know, called healed when we were upstairs? Yeah. So he's going to be having these injections in his back. What is that? That's the yeah, but. That's the yeah, but. That's the double-mindedness. Remember what was Colossians 2? That says that we conform to the, the way the world acts, the way the world thinks, instead of God. A double-minded man. Listen. Like I alluded to earlier. If you pray for someone and they don't get healed, does that change the word of God? No. If you change, if you pray for the next person and they don't get healed, this person I talked about that, you know, just walks around and, and people are healed, 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 healed. He said, I can pray for 14 people with stage four cancer in a row. None of them get healed. All of them die. 
He said, I will not allow that to change the word of God inside of me. I'm looking for the 15th because I believe the word. And the word is, they will be healed. Bill Johnson said, I cannot allow what I do not understand to affect what's already been established in me. What I already know makes what I don't understand meaningless. And you know, I felt this for a long time, but I just couldn't articulate it. When people start nitpicking and getting foolish, foolishly distracted, even in scripture. Well, I wonder what kind of body we're going to have when we get to heaven. I wonder where Cain got his wife. I wonder what happened and how did he and was he wearing a skirt? Did he tuck that up? And I believe he went, you know, what happened and was was the cloud really there or was, you know, was it, you know, just they thought it was glory, you know, they get distracted and nitpicky and I don't care. I really don't. It's meaningless to me. Because I've got a task. I'm not going to get distracted. I've got a task. And we have to form a front of unity, a bond of unity in the church, in the body, or the world will see a paraplegic body of Christ and say, that's my healer? That's what God has for me? I don't want that. You go about nitpicking and picking and disagreeing and offended here and hurt there and so and so did this to me and so and so did that to me and you know they're not letting me and blah 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 the world we are a laughing stock to them because the body of Christ is not standing in unity like it should all because well I believe well I believe well I believe well I, I don't care what does the word say Period. And if you disagree on something, focus on what you do agree on. Get united, get together, and get back to work. Period. That had nothing to do with the message. Anyway, let me just say also, for those that are praying for other people, and you should all be praying for everybody, that's your commission. Go lay hands on everybody. If you reduce the power of God based on what you perceive as a reason in which they can't be healed, whatever, generational curses, unforgiveness, they cause this themselves. Oh, they have a lack of faith. They don't even believe in God. You're believing a lie. Do you really believe God is unable to heal Fill in the blank for any reason? No. Just in case you didn't know the answer to that. <laughs> no. Does he want to heal all? Is he able to heal all? Yes. And yes. Miracles follow the believer. Let me ask you a few questions. Where does it say in the Bible that Jesus only healed those who believed in him? Show me that. Where does it say in the Bible that Jesus only healed those who repented of their sins first? Show me that. Where does it say that Jesus only healed those who called out the sins of their forefathers and broke off their curses over their lives before he healed them? Show me that. I am not trying to change your method of praying because we've all been trained. There are things and there is wisdom. But when you put your the when you put the power of God to heal in your method and in your correct words that you speak when you pray for each other, now it's all about you. And that's wrong. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with what I didn't do, with what I did. It has nothing to do with me. That's why you can simply walk by somebody and say, Jesus loves you. Boom. Be healed. And walk away. Because it has nothing to do with you. It even has nothing to do with them. Think about that one. Chew on that one. It's all to do with his love for us. What drove him to the cross? His love for us. That's what drove him to the cross. That's what 
That's what caused him to redeem us from our sinful state while we were sinners. While we were broken and cursed and being captured and drugged to hell. That he said, that cannot be my son or my daughter's future. Love redeemed us. Love heals us. Love forgives us. Love. His love. And I'll, I'll close right here with one sure way of unmasking Satan's deception in your life. Those masks. And then we'll pick up the rest in a couple weeks. One sure way of unmasking or being able to identify is this true or is it not? Is what he's proposing to you going to lower your standard in God? It's a lie. Even if it sounds spiritual, if you're believing for fill in the blank, X, Y, Z, if you're believing for and a voice in your head or even someone else talks you out of believing less than it's a lie and it's not God and I know your argument is well then we would just have selfish individuals running around asking God for this 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 but then it's his child let him take care of them not you I as mama I like calling myself mama bear don't you dare correct one of my kids if you got a problem with one of my kids you can bring it to me but don't you go correcting them as a matter of fact oh lord jesus help me I sometimes i'm way too honest brian and i when we were younger married isaiah wasn't he was just walking around so just over a year under two we were uh, managing a adult foster care home and so he was, you know, toddler like he was. He was always, you know, walking off and going to do this, these things. I came around the corner looking for him. And in the hallway, one of the ladies was spanking his butt. And with one hand, I grabbed her and pinned her to the wall. And the other one, I, go on, Isaiah, go on, I'll get you. And I pulled her right into my face. And I said, don't you ever touch one of my kids. And you tell me God don't feel that way about you or about the one that you believe that you have a right to tell them what they should and shouldn't ask God for let me give a strong warning to those of you who feel like you have to be the voice of God if what you're saying helps to lower the standard of belief of faith, of Christian living in others' lives, watch out. God said, if you cause even one of my children to stumble, watch out. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm believing God for a new vehicle, and you feel like you need to be the voice of God and tell them, well, you should just be happy with the junker you have. What? You should go, good girl, you ask God for that. You go ahead. You believe that. You know what? I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to believe God for that. Right? Because if they're just seeking, and let me, let me just, you know, say this. If you're seeking God's hand more than you're seeking God, he'll correct you. <laughs> He's a good, good father. He'll correct you. It's not our job to do that. It's not our job to go around and let the air out of everybody else's faith balloon. Watch out. Lord, help me, stop me, slap me straight if you need to. If I feel like I have to be one of those who it's their mission in life to let the air out of everyone's faith. Just doesn't make sense to me. So, so partnering. That's so partnering with the enemy like nothing else. Did God really say that? Do you really think you should ask him for that? You know, he don't really want to bless you, you know, physically, just spiritually. 
God helps those who help themselves. Well, you did make those choices yourself. You should fix this yourself. You shouldn't ask God for that. Lord, help us. All right, I got to stop right there. I can't even keep going. What I did find, what I did feel like I had revealed to me this week. Again, Bugs Bunny can teach me some deep spiritual truths. It was a song on the radio that um, just gave me the big picture of God's love. That love is like a fountain. Can you stop that fountain? If we were to step into that waterfall, is it only going to hit some of you? No, if you step into the waterfall, you're going to get wet. And that's what he's saying. Until you step into my love, you can't love each other like you're supposed to. You'll constantly be struggling to be who you're already who you already are in Christ. If you feel like your walk with Christ is always a struggle, an uphill battle, it's because you're trying to do it in your own strength. You need to step back, rest, and receive all his love for you. Remember? What does it say? All the law and prophets hang on this. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others. Whoop, don't forget this. As yourself. So you can't begin to love here and see people the way God sees them and be able to lay hands on people and believe that God will heal them because why? Because he loves them until you first can receive and understand all the love God has for you. And then all of a sudden you're like, and your love then just like overflows back to him. And then as you're in this love relationship with him, him and you, you and him, then he says, and I also pray, Jesus said in the garden, that they would be one with each other. Then all those little things just kind of fall away. They don't mean anything because love is supreme. Unity in the body is supreme. Not my opinion, your opinion. Told you this last week. We have to understand that our relationship with God is one of a son or a daughter. But our relationship with each other is servants. That's how that love goes through us. His love in us as his son, his daughter. My love and adoration back to him as father, daddy. And then I can love you out of that love that I have in him. Remember, Jesus was able to get down and wash the feet of his disciples, of his betrayer, of the one that was going to leave him because it said first that he knew who he was, where he came from, and what he had yet to do. Don't lose focus on that. So if you would please stand. I just want to close because... First, I want to say the testimonies that you heard at the beginning, a testimony means God will do it. God will do it again. So it's a right to grab a hold of and take back to God. You healed him. God, you can heal me. God, you broke cancer in Neil's sister's life. You can break cancer in my family member's life, my life, my co-worker's life. It's a do it again. It's a do it again. So we're going to open up the altars. We're not just going to pray in comfort and, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. No, we're praying miracle breakthrough, God's power on display in your life and through your life. You will see the power of God moving today and throughout the days and weeks to come. You will see it. Keep speaking it. Keep speaking it. We're also, I want to open up the altars because the reason that uh, rumbling, complaining, uh, offense here happens, offense there happens, disagreements happen, God showed me it's out of a broken love. Somewhere you've broken the love relationship here with God. 
either he did something that you didn't think that you know or that he was in control of and he did it and he caused it and you grabbed a hold of your heart and pulled it back that that's why it's impossible for you to love true with each other because it's a broken love here so I want to open up the altars and I want you to be able to come back to God and say, I'm sorry, here it is. And that was the word that I got for this first service, I believe is for the church, is that God says that you've been holding on to your heart. And he said, if you just lift up your heart, open it up to me, we can heal it, make it whole. And it will be, I mean, it's, I can't even begin to explain the, he makes all things new. It's not just he slapped some lipstick on a pig and said, there you go, baby. He created the pig into a princess. <laughs> he created the pig into a prince. All things new. So when you bring your heart to him and you say, you know what? Here it is. He doesn't just slap lipstick on it. He goes, let me take that broken one. I've got a brand new one for you. And he puts it back in. He says, it'll take your stone cold heart and it'll give you a new heart, flesh. So why don't you come on up? I want everybody, I want everybody to just take time before you leave these doors, take time and just receive God's perfect love. Because nothing else, nothing else can come from your life before this. This has got to come first. You've got to receive God's perfect love. He's already done everything. Let me get down here where that says. Everything has already been done. We need only to receive his love, rest in his love, then we can reach out his love. So if you've got somebody, if you've been diagnosed with cancer, somebody you know has been diagnosed with cancer, or you're standing right now in the I don't know phase that some doctor said it might be cancer, you've already heard the testimony. It's already defeated. Cancer's already defeated. Come on up. Stand in the gap for if you have to, for somebody you know, or come up and get prayed for yourself. If you're a believer, miracles follow the believer. I want you praying for other people. Come on up. I want you to just, I need you to bask. I don't need you. You need to bask in God's love. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years, or if this is the first time you've stepped foot in the service and you don't know why you're here. God's love is what we're praying for, like a flood to come through you, over you, and through you, like a fountain restoring you, restoring you to a right relationship with Him, restoring you to a full relationship in Him, restoring you with relationships with brothers and sisters or co-workers, his love, His love heals. His love frees. His love forgives. His 